0: hello everybody it's gary stuckey here today on real music i've got an awesome interview with the one and only t graham brown the amazing country singer and songwriter talking about his career he's telling some cool stories and we had a great time chatting and laughing there's some serious moments but uh, you may want to check out the very end the conway twitty story i just want to say yeah we had a lot of fun and i think you're gonna enjoy this so here he is here's t Graham brown okay so you've got you've got over 15 studio albums more than 28 singles on the billboard and gospel charts six number one singles and eight in the top 10 and uh this is what i think is really cool now you've you've saying in ad campaigns for, like, McDonald's and Disneyland, Hardee's, Taco Bell. So people would recognize your voice in some of these commercials, maybe without realizing it, right?
1: Yeah, but without realizing it they be right. I, I was just talking to this other guy a minute ago about that. He asked me about that. Uh, man, I, I did a bunch, and I still do them, but golly, I was thinking i've i've done um, he jogged my memory i've it's, <laughs> i've done coke and yeah dr pepper mountain dew sub my Hardys, mcdonald's kfc taco bell um wow uh, uh Every beer, every car and truck. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> I did that for seven years. Wow. I've done. God, man, you've heard me, or people have changed the channel on me on TV so many <laughs> times. You know. Well,
0: they they may have changed the channel and turned it to another one, and there you are again. So it's okay. You covered it, it all. That's good, though. Huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, I've. That's just something I. I started doing, they started calling me up. I guess I needed a raspy voice guy. And I, they, well, they, they started calling me on all kinds of stuff.
0: That's great, man. Um But growing up, who are some of your musical influences growing up?
1: Oh man, I listened to, I had a transistor radio when I was little and I could uh, pick up uh, at night. I would, scroll through the AM dial and I could pick up all these clear channel stations coming through and I could listen to uh, R&B and uh, uh, pop music and country music and I just listened to everything I like I, I all kinds of music but I loved uh, like of country of course George Jones and Merle and Conway and Loretta and Tammy, and all that, and right. uh, the Beatles, the Stones, uh, it pop it pop music in general. Any of the my era is the 60s when I was a kid, so anything that was going on in the 60s, and then James Brown, I'm crazy about right. and Little Richard and Ray Charles, and B.B. King, Albert King, but you know, just. All kinds of stuff, everything.
0: Right, and I, you can tell in your voice you've got that soul, you know, the soulful sound in your voice, mixed with country. So you can hear those influences, and in, you know, in there, and it sounds awesome. By the way, that's you've got a great voice.
1: You know, man, I, I grew up in this little bitty town in South Georgia called Araby, Georgia, and it was three hundred people that lived there there was a railroad track that went down town through town and, uh, all the black people lived on one side and all the white people lived on the other side. And our house backed up, our backyard backed up to the railroad track and we didn't have air conditioning. And I would open the window at the foot of my bed to get a breeze coming through. And, uh, I would lay put my head down at the foot of the bed so I could catch some of that breeze and the first band I ever heard was the the black church right across the tracks their band they had an actual band oh. drums bass guitar right. and all that and that's the first band I ever heard our little church was we just had this little old lady playing piano you know right. but the black church had a had a band and i remember hearing that and thinking boy this is great right.
0: yeah i love that i love that
1: so i listened to all kinds of stuff man i just grew up listening to whatever i could get right
0: and uh so, your days before you got your record deal, tell me about some of the times that you remember, you know, the days
1: leading up to that. How did that come to be? Well, man, I, uh, our family is from Athens, Georgia. My daddy moved us down to South Georgia when he, he graduated from Georgia and, and built a grain elevator down there in South Georgia. That's that's why we were down there. but. I finished high school and went to the university of Georgia in Athens. And so I started singing when I was a sophomore, I guess I was 18 maybe. And, uh, I got a gig with a buddy of mine from high school at the holiday inn in Athens. And we started playing beach music and, and we had the, all the kids would come and see us. We had a big student following and, We, uh, you know, played all the fraternity and sorority parties and all that. But we had a regular gig, and we had a big student following. And so that's where I started. And that was in 1973 is when I started singing for a living. And I would sing at night, and then I would get up and go to class in the morning. And I paid my tuition with my singing money. Oh, wow. And um, yeah. So I did that for three years Then I put together like a country rock band and did that for three years. And then I put together just a straight soul band and did that for three years. And then we moved to Nashville in 1982 and kind of started all over and started singing songwriter demos, whatever I could get, you know, and my wife went to work, um, at a department store during the day and waiting on tables at a restaurant at night. While I was singing demos for twenty bucks a pop, you know, yeah. I couldn't make a living doing it. But it was a way to get my voice around Music Row, and so I kind of got to be like the most in-demand demo singer in town. Awesome. I remember, I remember Vince was singing some back then singing some demos back then there were a few of us and that's how my voice got heard. Uh, you know, people would pitch songs and, uh, I'd go in and do a song, or sing. You know, a songwriter writes a song, and then they would do a demo session and hire somebody to sing the song, and then the publishing company pitches the song around town trying to get it recorded. And that's how my voice got heard by record companies because they were getting these songs pitched to them right. that had my voice on it. Right. And so, and so they, you know, they started wanting to know who it was singing. So. I signed with Capitol Records. I don't know. I'd been there a couple of years, I guess. I'm trying to think when I signed with Capitol, eighty four maybe. I think I've been there a couple of years. I got a songwriting deal with a a company called CBS Songs. It it was later EMI and now it's Sony, but it was a. Uh, owned by Columbia Broadcasting System. I mean, it was CBS, the same CBS as the Net TV Network. And and it was called CBS Song, so I signed with them. I I think we moved in maybe May of 82, and I signed with them in December. So I I got a songwriting deal pretty quick. That's great. And then I just started doing... Demos and pardon me, and then I started doing commercials. So,
0: and that, and that worked out pretty good for you. And uh, so, was your wife, you know, supportive, you know, the whole time? I, I know it's oh, yeah. hard there, the beginning there.
1: Yeah, man. Well, she was going to go to vet school. She's got a master's degree in dairy science and a master's degree in nutrition. And we were living on the farm. Both sides of my family are farmers. And so we were living out about 20 miles out in the country from Athens, Georgia, on the farm. And um, in this old house uh, down behind my mom and daddy's house. We'd lay in the bed at night, listen to the radio. and, And I remember when Lee Greenwood first came out. We heard him singing, and you know he's a raspy voice too. Right. And Sheila said, "You know, man, maybe we need to move to Nashville." And I was scared; I didn't want to leave my little comfort zone yeah, I had there. Right. But she came home one day and when she finished up her master's work. Said, "We're going to Nashville." So we we had a '59 Ford station wagon. We loaded it up, and moved to Nashville, and just started all over. That's that's so, great man. That's, we, we've been together 43 years. Wow. So That's great. Oh, so yeah, yeah, she's 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 my best friend and she's got my back and we're happy and we count on each other and she travels with me now. You know, she's on the bus with us and she works her butt off. That's, she, you know she, she she sells merch and she orders merch and she books flights and does, she's i guess she's like a road manager i guess you'd call well, it
0: that's cool she, and she, she does had, it all and that she wow
1: to, yeah she works her butt off man she's the hardest working person i've ever known ever since i've met her wow
0: and uh well that's awesome um and when you were talking about your uh when you signed uh, the record deal, your first release was uh, Drowning in Memories. It peaked at number 39. Um, can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Well, back then, man, I had a they had these things called singles deals. Like you had an album deal or you had a singles deal. So I signed the singles deal with Capitol Records and it was for six singles. So the deal was is they would put out a single and if it flopped or whatever they'd put out another one and another one and another one up to six and, you know at their discretion and so they put out this single of this song and it went far enough up in the charts that they immediately called for an album. So I went in and uh, and cut the rest. Well, actually, we didn't even put that first single on the album. So I went in and cut a whole album. I went down to Muscle Shoals and used it Muscle Shoals sound and used a Muscle Shoals rhythm section. And we we cut that first album. I think we cut maybe one or two tracks in Nashville, seems like. But... So we went down there and did that and then they put out uh, this song called I Tell It Like It Used To Be while we were cutting it out the album I Tell It Like It Used To Be was going up the charts and it was a big hit. So it kind of got me out there. And then they put that album out and it it did it did well you know and then went back down to Muscle Shoals and cut the second album and and so did that you know i had a, i had a decent run at, at radio you know i wasn't the biggest star ever but i had a pretty pretty decent run i i had a good enough of a career that it's allowed me to keep working all these years so right. which is nice and yeah so i'm having fun i'm Doing my thing and I got a great band and I do, we go out, we'll do some acoustic shows and we do band shows and I have a radio show on Sirius XM radio and, uh, get to do what I want to do. I'm doing some movies and, uh, got a Western coming out next month and wow. it's a lot of fun to do and, uh, yeah. I'm, cutting, I'm finishing up the soul record. We just cut a, a soul tribute record down in Muscle Shoals uh, at Fame, and uh, we're calling it From Memphis to Muscle Shoals. We'll cut some old 60s soul songs that were cut cutting Memphis and some that were cut cutting Muscle Shoals. And we've got uh, Sam Moore from Sam & Dave's Donna a guest vocal and Eddie Floyd sang on knock on wood he's got to sing knock on wood and wrote knock on wood little anthony of little anthony and the imperials is on it sammy Hagar's on it Uh, dwight yokum tanya tucker uh winona uh i think hank jr's gonna do it uh al green um we're just um call I'm gonna call Gladys Knight here in a little bit when I hang up with you and ask her if she'll sing on it. And, oh wow. That's awesome. So we're so I'm getting I get to do what I wanna do these days. I don't really have anybody telling me what to do.
0: Ain't that nice.
1: Yeah, it's real nice. <laughs> I'm sixty seven years old. And, See, that's great. And if a show comes in that we wanna do, we'll take it. If not, we just don't have to work as hard as we used to. Man, when I was hitting I was visiting radio stations every day and and gone three hundred days a year. Uh, I can't do that anymore. I don't have I don't have the stamina. Plus, I don't want to. <laughs> right,
0: right. See, well, you, you don't want to. You don't have to. And you got you got it covered. You got a wife that supports you. Yeah, so you You're gonna be okay.
1: Yeah, we just do what we want to do, man. We got a great life. That's great. You know, that's, we're in a good place. That's really good. We're not rich or anything, but we're just, we're fine.
0: Well, uh, after your success, you know, in, in the late 80s and things like that, you know, and I know you, you had all these uh, albums coming out. And then suddenly, I think in what, early 90s, you stopped.
1: Well, I couldn't get arrested. Yeah, so what happened there? I just fell out of favor, I guess, you know, I, I just, radio quit playing me. I guess it's just that simple. They just (laughs) didn't want to do it. They didn't want to play anymore. I just, I guess I'd had my time and, and, um, it, you know, I couldn't buy a hit, and then hmm. I left Capitol and went to Warner Brothers. And I cut an album for Warner Brothers that never even got out, and then I went to Sony and cut some stuff for Sony, and it never got released. So basically, the the mid nineties, probably five years in there, was just I didn't have anything out. Hmm. I was under contract to these other record companies, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't I was tied up. I couldn't do anything. They wouldn't put it out. Plus they wouldn't let me, you know, get out of my contract. So wow. it was really frustrating. But
0: So will they yeah. ever be released, these songs?
1: I don't know. I don't own them. I, huh. I, I don't know. It's, That's a good question. I got I know I got that album, The Masters here at the house the two inch tape but i don't own it i mean legally i can't you know have it pressed up and release it so so what would i do ha- i have physical possession of the tapes right. but huh. i don't i don't own it so what would it plus take to that's get all home? that's so far in the past you know i'd yeah. rather just make something oh, new okay. anyway
0: yeah that's understandable um But after your break, um, you know, I guess during all that time you were recording and, like you said, the albums were shelved and didn't have anything out. But you came out with the uh, uh, Wine into Water album, and can you tell me about that song and what it means to you?
1: Well, I was drunk for a long time, man. My whole career, I was partying. Mm I mean, my whole ever since ever since I started. I started I started drinking and and smoking pot and doing whatever I could do when I was in high school, you know, and just kept it up and just got worse and worse, you know. Um like I said I'm 67. I guess the last time I quit everything was probably 12 11 12 years ago. You know, I would it, it got to where it was I got to where I was getting up in the morning, pouring vodka in my coffee oh, wow. and firing a joint up, you know, mm-hmm. first thing. And so I, I had sense enough to know that, I mean, I ain't the smartest guy in the world, but I had sense enough to know that wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I would try to quit. And then I, I would get on the horse and ride a while and fall off and get on the horse and ride a while and fall off. And then, but this last time, I just made up my mind that this was craziness, you know. I actually, it's an old cliche of a story, but I actually looked in the mirror, and I looked terrible. I looked like death, and I was hungover, and, uh, and I actually, and I think I said it out loud, if I remember right. I said, man, what are you doing? You're about to blow everything. You're about to lose your wife. you career your everything and um i asked god to help me and you know what man i ain't had one craving since that minute amen It's amazing Uh, i went from i went from 24 hours a day looking for buzz and nothing and thinking of nothing else basically to not ever thinking of it again it's amazing wow that's that is awesome man that's, and, and so anyway, the Wine in the Water, we wrote Wine in the Water uh, about me and about my problems. And the good thing about Wine in the Water, it, it was, you know, they put the, it was on an independent label. We sold a bunch of those records, the album. We sold a bunch of them. and uh, But the single, it charted, it got up. I don't know what it got up to, in maybe 40 or right at 40. It never was a big hit, but people have found that song through the years. It's really helped a lot of people get sobered up. That's the best legacy of that song. And it, There ain't a, hardly a day, well, maybe not every day, but a couple of times a week, I get Messages from people that tell me wine in the water helped them get sobered up or kept them from killing themselves, or you know, I've had people say that they were fixing to shoot themselves in the head. And and wine in the water came on the radio right that second. That's
0: that's great, uh, yeah, that's that's, yeah, man, man. it's it's
1: amazing. And it's helped, you know, and they use it at AA meetings and rehab uh places. churches it gets sung all over it's amazing it's just taken on a life of its own yeah that's awesome man. it's a it's a it's a thing in the recovery community Winding the water is right that's great
0: um and you know recently uh the country music world was uh heartbroken with the passing of uh, ralph emery um can you talk about uh ralph a little bit some of your memories of him
1: ralph was great man he was a dear friend you know i was on nashville now he had this show i don't know if you remember that. uh there there used to be this network called the nashville network and they and ralph had a show on there every night a 90 minute variety show it was all music and you know he might have a magician on sometimes or whatever you never knew what he was going at comedians right. but it was mainly music and um he had me on that show 56 times oh, and i wow. think i was on there more than anybody he he kind of took me under his wing and um he let me he exposed me to millions of people i probably wouldn't even be talking to you if it weren't for ralph emory wow. i went on there the first time and um I remember uh, Drowning in Memories, that song you were talking about, right. was the single. <laughs> and I guess that was before I even had a, an album deal. I can't remember. But um, I remember I didn't have any clothes, and Sheila went to the Army surplus store and bought some white painter's pants and dyed them blue oh, wow. in, the, in the kitchen sink awesome <laughs> and i wore those pants and i've seen it on youtube there's somebody put it up there and i'm wearing these blue pants that were just dyed in the kitchen sink wow and sheila bought me a shirt to wear and i sang drowning in memories and then i sang i tell it like it used to be and ralph came over and said he said t that's the hit right there that's the one you all to put out is uh, i tell it like it used to be oh, cool <laughs> and that turned out to be a, the one that got me out there. So Ralph, and you know, I would guest host, you know, sometimes Ralph would take off and ask me if I'd guest host. And we'd play golf together. Ralph's great, man. And he put me on his radio shows. And Ralph, I'm telling you, man, Ralph Emery helped me probably more than anybody
0: that's great that's a great story uh, i'm sure he helped a lot of people too i'm, not, I'm sure the oh stores, he, helped, yeah. he
1: helped countless people over his career and his radio career man there's no telling how many dozens and dozens of people owe their careers to ralph i think that's so awesome
0: yeah he'll be missed definitely um uh, um
1: i mean it put me out there he got me facetime on tv man where He had so many people watching that show every night that it was it was way better than having a radio hit. Just you know, seems like you'd be on. People could see you and get on there and goof around and be (laughs) funny.
0: There needs to be more of that these days. I wish there was a
1: show like that. There's there's no there's no where that any of us can get any FaceTime.
0: Right. You know. Maybe I could start a show. I want to start a show. I wish you would. Bruton
1: live. Bruton now.
0: (laughs) Hey, that might be a a
1: ninety-minute show out of your living room. Hey, Bruton.
0: This this would work. Hey, I would love to do a show that would would be like on TV for you know country. Wouldn't that be fun, man? I
1: would too. Hey,
0: I want to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure either one of us could pull it off.
0: I think so. I think we could do it. Just so, write down, write that down. We'll see what happens.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm always game. For That's what stuff. I'm talking
0: about. Um, hey, check this out. Everybody listening needs to know this. Now, you you were talking earlier about acting. Now, you were in Greece Lightning in Can you believe that? Now, man? I remember that movie with Richard Pryor, and I'm I'm trying to remember what part did you play in that movie?
1: They came to Athens, man, <laughs> and I was. Uh, I guess it was right when I was getting my country rock band together. I, I think I might be I might have been on unemployment, and and so I was partying all the time. I bought I bought a house when I was nineteen, and I remember we, it was five sixty King Avenue. We called it the five sixty Fun Club, and I had some my college buddies were my roommates. Helped me make my my house payment was $202.50 a month. Wow. And so we all chipped in. And uh, so when I split up with my partner that I was singing at the Holiday Inn with, I got him to write a letter saying he fired me oh. so that I could get unemployment. Wow. So I, I got unemployment for 18 months. And, and so I just partied. Right. I mean, I was 20. 21 or 22 years old. And so anyway, when they came to, to Athens to make that movie, I just went out there. and I think I heard they advertised for they needed some extras. Anyway, I went out there and just talked my way into it. <laughs>
0: it worked. Yeah. I
1: mean, I, I got it in their face. I, I wouldn't go away. So they said, okay, let's let him say something. <laughs>
0: I have to remember that. but it was really
1: fun i got to hang around with richard Pryor and uh, cleavon little and the most fun was hanging out with richie havens oh cool and you know he he was the first act at woodstock so richie havens and i became friends and i would take him around athens and he would he would uh I remember we would go to a place and all the kids would sit in the floor and he'd sit on the stool and play guitar. Oh man. And, um, yeah, he lived on a boat on the Hudson river and he would send me Christmas cards. And that was the coolest part was hanging out with Richie Havens and they were there, I guess six weeks, maybe something like that in town filming and, So I I went to the the set every day and just, you know, I didn't have much of a part, but I, I, you know, I got residuals for years. Oh, really? From that movie, yeah. That's great.
0: Well, uh, that's cool. You can revisit it every time you watch that movie.
1: So, people Uh, sometimes will send me a screen. They'll take a picture of it if they see it on TV. I have to go back and email it to me. It's it's really stupid. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Um, So, tell me about uh, some
1: new music uh, that you got out or you're working on. Well, I'm doing that Soul record. I did an acoustic greatest hits record while we were sitting around shut down from COVID right. and it's called bare bones and it's, it's, you know, real simple. Just me and an acoustic guitar and background vocals. Cool. It's kind of a deal. You know, I, I, I'd never, Sheila said you need to do an acoustic greatest hits record and, I never had even thought about it, but I did. And it's, it's a different listening experience than listening to the, you know, full tracks. The vocals more present and the lyrics more present. And it's just a different way to listen to it. And yeah. That's I'm going to go in and do a gospel record here in a little bit. And I'm hoping this year I'll do. Two, maybe three albums. I got to do a gospel record. I want to do an old stone country classics record. Just cut some old country classic songs, you know, Mm -hmm. steel guitar and real, you know, heavy stone country. And then I got to make a regular, what I call a regular T Graham Brown record. You know, so Mm -hmm. I got really three albums I need to do this year. It'd be nice.
0: Well, it sounds like you uh, need to uh, keep that going. I mean, I guess I'm holding you up from doing them. You need to, <laughs> you got to start recording. It sounds like you got to, the pressure is on. You got three apples you
1: got to do, right? Oh, there ain't no pressure, man. <laughs> Just ki- I thrive on pressure. That's, hey, see, that's what I'm talking about. Well, the pressure's, uh, well, now. the truth is the pressure's off. That's pressure's what's off. so good about my life. Have, yeah, The pressure's off. I don't, like I said, I'm not chasing a hit. I'm doing what I want to do, so the pressure actually is off.
0: And that's what better way to live your life, right?
1: I know, man. And it's easy making records; i's easy, so it's fun. Yeah. So it's not it, like it's some big thing, you know. Sounds like fun. Um, I got to write some songs. That's that, that's my problem is I don't write enough. But I write when it's time to do a an album of original songs. That's when I. Buckle down and do my writing. Okay. I never have written for other artists, really. I just never pitched my songs, really. I guess I ought to.
0: Yeah, I think you should. Um... I
1: think I'm so far out of the loop, though, that, you know, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on these days. And I kind of like it that way, actually. <laughs>
0: Hey, there's nothing wrong with that you know it's it's a good thing you know I mean, um i
1: don't i don't listen to if i listen to the radio i'm listening to sirius xm and i'm listening to tom petty's channel or oh, i'm yeah. listening to the, uh uh the 60s channel or some old country music right that's some good or story. or or the uh, bluesville or you know the, yeah They've got a few BB B. King's channel, and they, you know that's what I like.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe you should do a blues album. That's I cool. might. That
1: would be I really might. cool. That'd be really. I was cool. talking to Hank Jr.'s manager the other day about being on this soul record, and uh, he said Hank just did a blues record. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to get Hank to sing soul man. I hope he will.
0: That's that'd a great, be great. That'd be real good, man. That's that's cool. Yeah. Um, well, I hope everything works out for you. It's it. You know, you got a lot of stuff going on. You got some shows lined up too, right? Coming up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We we're doing more and more. I don't know what all's on the books. I th- I think we got maybe eight shows in February. It's our our calendars filling up. We don't book like a year in advance or anything like right. that shows come in we get offers to do shows and like i said if it's something we want to do we'll say yes and if not we'll just pass on it right well uh, well i hope all the best we for... try to do we try to do or basically what's what i like to do is my is fridays and saturdays oh yeah that's maybe eight shows a month
0: oh yeah that works yeah. out pretty we good. In the
1: summertime, it gets more than that. But if I could do a hundred shows this year, that's way plenty enough for me.
0: Sounds like a plan. I, I know you got and I, see yeah. the Oak
1: Ridge boys; those guys, and they're <laughs> older than me, and they're out there doing one hundred fifty shows a year. I don't know how they do
0: it. <laughs> they, a lot of exercise, bro. I, could, I
1: have no desire to do to work that hard.
0: It's too much for you, yeah. Hey yeah, you're in the uh settle down mode. You don't have to do all this stuff anymore, like you said, right I
1: like watching bonanza.
0: Yeah. Bonanza.
1: Gun smoke and, and exactly. rifleman.
0: <laughs> Chuck Connors, that's right. Yeah, I like all those shows. Uh oh that's you know, well you can do both. So you can watch those shows and then when you get the urge you can record some music, then you can go do a few shows here and there and uh, you know, you have it made, right?
1: That's it.
0: Wow. Well, thanks for talking to me today, and uh, I had a good time. Uh, oh, listening. you're
1: welcome, man. Thanks for having me.
0: And next time you're in Bruton, Alabama, swing by, or
1: I have to come see you somewhere out there. And uh, I have no doubt that I will be in Bruton again. Well, I, have to, I might get Rusty Golden to go yeah, down there, there with me.
0: There you go. Tell him to
1: come along. I used to go to that Frank Brown songwriter thing in Gulf Shores all the time. Do they they still have
0: that? Last I heard, they did. I saw a post or something online about it. um,
1: Rusty would always get me to come down there with him, but I hadn't been down there in 10 years.
0: Yeah, I remember remember seeing your name on that. uh, I used to go every year. Um, There's a guy... There's a a guy I used to I I play music and write songs too and there's a guy named Brian Lisenby. You Ever heard of that guy? What's his last name? Lizenby. Brian Lizenby. I think he I, talked about I, you or something one time. He's a
1: songwriter. I don't know, man. I I can't remember people. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: I can't remember and I'm well I'm I'm 47, but I'm my mind is starting to slowly Go away, but it's oh, okay. Oh,
1: man. Mine, mine really is. I'm telling you.
0: That That's why you got to keep doing these uh, songs. You know, I guess that keeps you at your mind active when you're constantly singing and, and writing songs or doing things like that. It's got to keep you sharp, right?
1: I'm trying, man. I'm doing everything I know how to do.
0: Well, that's all you can do is do what you know, right?
1: And keep Mrs. Brown
0: happy. There you go. That's that's the that's the number one thing, right?
1: Daddy, actually, that is the number one. That,
0: that, that's it. That might be why you've lasted for over 40 years of marriage,
1: right? Hey, I'm going to tell you what, man. If it weren't for her, and then this is serious, mm-hmm. I'd be dead. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that I would have been face down in a ditch a long time ago. Keith Whitley and I were like brothers, and you would have thought that when he died, it would have straightened me up. But it, I think I just doubled down. Wow.
0: Yeah, I saw an old clip of you talking about his passing when it happened. It was like on YouTube, and you were, you know, really, you know, choked up on, you know, the interview. But I could tell it really hit you pretty hard. But I guess that just stands in your mind like the song, you know, that you wrote um, about that. Well,
1: he's he was a, a great friend, man well i mean we had just been on the road we were doing shows together i mean we had just we were had just come off the road and we fixing to go back out a couple of days later you know and he died i remember his manager called me up and um his, the guy's name was jack mcfadden and we all were friends we talked so it wasn't anything unusual that he would call you know and i'm and Jack called, and I said, you know, what's up? And he said, Keith's dead. Mm. And I said, man, that ain't even funny. Yeah. And he, he said, no, Keith's dead. We found him dead, and he started crying. And I went, oh, man. And uh, Jack said, uh, I can't face these cameras. Can I send all these news people to your house? And so uh, they all showed up at my house. Mm. And, and that's where that clip, I guess, came from. That well, was one thing. There was a bunch of reporters and all I had to talk to them it was not a good day I'll tell you that
0: mm. that had to be I guess a reminder for people to you know the reality of what happens
1: sometimes when you you know man Keith would drink anything mm. he would drink cologne he would drink anything with alcohol mm. so sad yeah I know I know man he drank a quart of grain alcohol that night, mm. and and puked and choked on his own puke. That's sad. Mm. I mean, what a way to go. He couldn't. And he had yeah. he had cocaine and mm. Valium in his system too. You know, I mean,
0: he, that's that's what it, it boggles your mind sometimes when you think of you know, how good of a career he could have kept having. And he, you know,
1: he would have been as just, big a star as anybody ever. Right. I think, I think and so. he was on his way. He would have been as big as Allen Jackson or any of them. I for think. sure. For sure. And, you know, he was just a troubled dude. You know, we would be, you know, they, they we would be, we were big, <laughs> big drunk buddies <laughs> and doing all these drugs and all we were, you know, we were right there. Right. And um, I remember our record label sent us to this. Uh, our record labels wanted us to straighten up. Right. And so they sent us to this psychologist uh, we're on Music Row. And, and this psychologist specialized in the music business people. And so we would sit in this uh, uh group therapy thing where you'd sit around in a circle and basically all it is is people whining about their lives you know and so it would be like an hour-long session and and Keith and I'd be looking at our watch thinking god come on man we want to go have a drink let's get this over with (laughs) we we were just there because they were making us be there you know we weren't we had no intention of getting straightened up we, we're just trying to pacify the powers that head. be
0: yeah
1: wow so anyway yeah
0: i'm sure you have a lot of memories of of things like that do you, do you ever think about writing a book or anything or, or coming up actually
1: we're finishing up autobiography right now okay i mean cool. it's all it's 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 done i just have to do the uh I've got I got a few more sports figures that I gotta put in there that I forgot. But no, it's done. It's gonna be called "I tell it like it used to be.
0: Oh wow. That's a catchy title there. Yeah. yeah go figure. <laughs> I wonder how you got that. Um wow, that that's another thing to look forward to. You got all these things going on and all the fans are gonna love all that stuff, I'm sure, man. I'm a Renaissance man. You are it. That is you. <laughs> <laughs> and and all that and
1: more and uh Now if I could only learn to paint I, I, I could really be a Renaissance man.
0: That's what you need that's your next goal you need to set. So you got a lot you got a lot more time than you used to 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 do stuff like that, right? So some of those days free days you can paint a few things, right?
1: I don't know. I I don't think I'd be much good at painting. I never have been able to do that. Oh. Oh, there's I there's draw things. a stick man. That's basically
0: it. <laughs> the stick man. That's the go-to drawing for everybody. Yeah, that's that's awesome.
1: Well, or a cube. You know, the <laughs> I can draw a cube and a, cube. a triangle. That, see
0: the basic shapes. Well, you know, you don't know till you try. Smiley face. Smiley faces. Uh, what else? the The mountains and the sun in the house. Like you know,
1: I can draw a heart with a arrow going see? through it.
0: Just in time for Valentine's Day. You can make your wife a card with drawings.
1: You want to hear something corny? Go ahead. Every every night, so that it'll be there in the morning, I write Sheila a love note, and I draw a heart with an arrow through it with our initials in it. Every night. I never miss a night. Now, how corny is that? (laughs)
0: Well, see, that's... See, that's another book you need to write about the called love notes and you can tell how it's helped it's, your marriage for all these years.
1: I know that sounds terribly corny, but I do. Well, that's, see, that
0: that's not corny. To some some people think that's very romantic, you know. Just saying. Wow. Well, they like that
1: stuff. I, I, I am a romantic.
0: See? The thing we got to find out, will they find out all this stuff in the biography or is this breaking news that you are
1: a romantic man? yes well hey i'm multifaceted (laughs) (laughs) and i'm also and i'm also full of crap (laughs)
0: well see i can relate to that but so what so what's something else that people don't know about you that you may want to let them know that they don't can
1: ride a unicycle oh wow have
0: you got any video footage of that
1: no, but I, it's in the garage. But Sheila won't let me ride it now. She says I'm accident prone.
0: Oh man, that, that's just part of it. That's part of. She it.
1: made me get rid of my Harley. Oh, and um, she won't let me climb ladders.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, she's the boss, so you got to do what she says. Say that's. She's just looking out for your uh, your best interest, so you yeah. don't you know fall off the. She
1: actually is looking out for my best interest.
0: Yeah, I'm sure she is. I'm sure she is. And the, you know, I am.
1: Yeah. I can be. I can be hard headed. I'll say. So.
0: See, that's she comes in and keeps you balance. So whenever. You as long that,
1: as I take my bipolar medicine every uh, okay. day, though, I do pretty well. well what? Well,
0: well, be sure to do that. Yeah, and uh, and listen. She to lays it out for
1: me every morning. Okay. She. She does not want to have to deal with the uh, split personality. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so,
0: so, so what happens if you miss miss a, a a pill or two? What happens?
1: You know, I just will get manic. You know, I'll get in another world. Just I, that's why I take it. <laughs> if I don't take my medicine, I you know I'm bipolar. You know, I'll go up and down and up and down and. It's like Jimmy, manic depression is a frustrating mess. You know, Jimmy uh, Hendrix had a song called "Manic Depression," right? And that was that was the the hook. Manic depression is a frustrating mess. Right. (laughs) So, so that's what it is. It's a frustrating Frustrating mess. I
0: can I can imagine there's a lot of people that. uh, deal with that I, I don't know I haven't been diagnosed but I might the doctors might say I'm there too I don't know
1: well man there's a lot of mental illness out there right but they do make medicine for it you That's know right. I talk to people about it all the time you know I talk to people about it from the stage You know, I tell them there's no need of living like that man there's they make medicine for it don't be ashamed if you got some mental illness issues go to the doctor right and, that's you right know, try to try to get it straightened out
0: yeah I, I totally agree and that's that's a lot of the issues we have today a lot of people need they need somebody to talk to and they need some medicine to help them out and they can solve a lot of issues right
1: well it beats going crazy <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i'm crazy yeah
0: i don't want to be that i don't want to be crazy uh no man yeah that would be rough um well i uh i won't hold you because you're you're a busy man i don't know if you got any more interviews coming up i don't want to be like the other guy you know and no you are the other guy i am the other guy is there another guy after me i just want to make sure I didn't no I
1: got, no n- nobody today but mm. I got to do my radio show, so well, I got stuff I got to do.
0: See, that's what I'm talking about. And it sounds like you're going to have fun doing the show. And uh, what, it is fun. What What's the guest you got coming up on the show?
1: Uh, Richard Young, Kentucky Head Hunters. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's he's awesome. an old buddy of mine. So yeah. I interviewed. We did a show together not long ago, and I I interviewed him on his bus, and yeah, we go back. We go back to the beginning.
0: Man. You see, you do have a lot of stories that you know you need to write about. You might have to make about three or four books if uh if you keep going, right, with all these stories.
1: I think I'll just start making stuff up. Oh, see
0: <laughs> I was talking to the Queen the other day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stuff like, stuff that. like that. People like yeah. that stuff. You never you know yeah. they they might yeah. buy, they'll buy it. Hey, try it. See what happens. See what the reaction is. You never know.
1: <laughs> hey, I'll leave you with one last thing. Sure. So I was, uh, I was over at uh, Stage studio, which this would have been 1983. Okay. And I was cutting a, um, these guys at CBS songs had put up this money to try to help me get a record deal. And we, we were going in and cutting three sides. And so Conway Twitty owned half of that studio, and you know, Conway used to drive, you remember those AMC Pacers? Yeah, yeah. Conway had had two of them. Oh, wow. He had two of them, they were white, and you could know if Conway was in the building because those Pacers would be parked out back, but so i never had met conway and so i'm i'm standing in the doorway of the studio and so down the hallway here comes conway twitty and he goes into the men's room so i thought here's my chance so i went into the men's room and he's over there peeing and there's (laughs) there's two urinals in there so he's peeing and I go up to him, the next one, and there's a little divider between them. And so I don't have to pee. I'm just acting like I'm peeing. And I introduce myself to Conway while we're peeing. Oh, wow. And I said, hey, Conway, my name's T. Graham Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cutting a, my first master session over here across the hall, you know. and I sure wish you'd come in and listen. And uh, it was amazing. He came over and. <laughs> Stood in the doorway and listened about 30 seconds. You know, and he looked at me and went, Sounds good, T. <laughs> and he walked off. And then a couple of years later, I was on the road with him doing shows. It was funny. That is awesome. It's fun- See, that was it's funny the way things work out, ain't it? It really is. If
0: I'd have done that, he would have called security and they'd have thrown me out, you know.
1: Introduce yourself to Conway Twitty while you're fake peeing.
0: See, that's. I mean, what more can you ask for? I. I, I want to. And it was right
1: about that time that the queen walked in.
0: The queen came in. <laughs> she she was peeing too, and you said, "Hey, queen." She know? went
1: over to the bidet, <laughs> which was right next to the urinal.
0: Okay, so, so
1: and there was no divider.
0: No divider. Wow, that's that's graphic. Well, did he ever remember the uh, that incident later?
1: Oh yeah, I reminded him of it. I reminded. I said, "You remember that guy? That yeah, he remembered. Yeah. I mean, how can you forget something stupid?
0: See, that's the key is to do something like that so they'll remember you. See, well,
1: he definitely he was a great guy. Uh He really was a great guy, man. We had a lot of fun together. It's just funny that the way things work out.
0: Or <laughs> well, did did he uh, did he shake your hand, or did you wash your, did they wash your hands? You know, did you you know
1: your- I don't remember. I'm sure we shook hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure.
0: See, that's that's uh, just. That's, I, I can't
1: remember that detail, but I, I'm a hand shaking kind of guy, so I'm sure I did.
0: See, I I thought you were gonna say you know you, you were taking a leak and then he looked over. He said, "Hey Conway, I'm." Graham Brown. And no,
1: he, I didn't reach over there and shake okay. his hand like I, that.
0: And he, no, and, I, if, and he said, hello, darling. No, they didn't say no. That, what, <laughs> and you got out of there. No, see, that would have been a different story. But the,
1: <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah. Oh, good Lord.
0: That's funny stuff, man. I have, uh, That's going to, that should be the opening uh,
1: part. Salvo. Salvo. <laughs>
0: That, that's. I'm telling you, this is going to be on my Instagram page. I'm. That's going to be my intro about. Oh, good you know, lord, it's going to be. It's going to be everywhere. You're going to be in tabloids, talking about. Well, you know, it's going to get you some exposure. Yeah. <laughs> some exposure. You get, you get it? Exposure. Yep. I do get it. it. Hey, you're in trouble if you don't t- you get it. You're in trouble. Okay, see the bad jokes are coming. Oh, of, good that, that's lord. your cue to get out of here, man.
1: Oh, you know, I saw on the internet boomerangs are coming back.
0: Boomerangs? Oh, man. I used to have one of those back in the day.
1: It went right over your head, didn't
0: it? It sure did. And then it came back. Boomerangs
1: are coming back. They're coming Uh, back. What's the hardest thing about buying a new boomerang? Throwing away the old one. (laughs) What do you call a boomerang that don't come back? A stick. A stick. I know I I got I got one more boomerang (laughs) joke. I can't remember it right now, but I'm sure that it'll come back to me. Um,
0: Uh, Where did where did you find the boomerang? It was down under the bed. I don't know down under. See, okay. Yeah. See, that was bad.
1: (laughs) Go write a song.
0: I'm gonna write. Hey, hey, that's another thing. If you ever need, I don't want to push myself to people. I'm thinking if you ever need a song, now I write songs. I'm just throwing a plug for me. I'm just throwing it out there. I might. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just throwing it out. I don't ever do that, but I'm just saying I might, you know, just throw it out there.
1: You're available.
0: I'm available. I've been writing them since I was a little kid. I'm just saying. Just well, throwing it out there.
1: Well, Pre- lots of luck to you and yours.
0: Mm.
1: I need it. <laughs> that's, what Go- that's what Gomer said, you know.
0: <laughs> Gomer. from right That's what here Gomer out-
1: said to Andy. Lots of luck to you and yours. To
0: you and yours. Let's oh, see. Oh, he, and Gomer from right here in Alabama. You know? I know that. How cool is that, right? <laughs> well, I appreciate you talking to me, man. So go do your you, shows and have fun, and maybe I'll see you out there somewhere. And then we're going to do a uh, Nashville TV show. Like Yeah. You know, Boy, keep... that
1: would be fun.
0: I wanna, I'm going to see what if I can do. If you can
1: pull that off, let me know.
0: I'm going to try to see. I'm going to do something. I'm doing something. I got goals. I'm going to... That's one of my goals. How about that?
1: Good. Make it happen. I'm going to make it happen.
0: All right, man. I appreciate you talking to me today.
1: All right, buddy. Thanks. All right, man. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to help out, you can click on the support button. And donate any amount of money that you'd like. And I would appreciate it so much. Thanks to the ones who've been giving in the past. It really helps me keep this podcast going. And I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to more episodes coming up for you very soon. And until next time, everybody, whatever you do,
1: keep the music real.